This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. Yes, welcome to the podcast. We have to give a spoiler alert here, Jim. Mm-hmm. This this segment has not aired on the radio because we knew that there's people probably have, that, that have not watched the new Obi-Wan Kenobi show yet. Mm-hmm. The first three episodes that have been released. So uh, we decided to do it this way. If you don't want to hear our discussion about Obi-Wan Kenobi, you can skip ahead or just turn this off right now. All right? But Jim, you've got some problems with this show. Yeah, I think we're three episodes into it right now. Uh, I think that's all that's available right now. And I originally complained about the first episode because there was just some beyond cheesy moments. For example... Uh, I've seen now that other people have, have have realized how bad this was, but the Princess Leia chase scene with Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers and the uh, the Scrolls apparently from the Marvel Universe. Anyway, it was the worst chase scene in television history. If you haven't watched it, they're like running through the woods on some random planet. But she's a ten year old girl it's who Alderaan. looks six. It's on Alderaan, okay, isn't she, it? Maybe, but she looks six. And she's running from grown adult aliens, and it's the most embarrassingly slow chase scene. Um, and that was the first inkling to me that this show is going nowhere but bad places, quality-wise. Uh, and then I think that that trend has continued throughout the episodes. Have Except you seen all tone. three? I've seen all three, yeah. And it does come off as a little like overly melodramatic. And I know the prequels, the, the three movies with... Uh, Oh, Ewan McGregor in them as Obi-Wan Kenobi. If you look back on those, they're cheesy as well. They're cheesy too. But compared to the Mandalorian and what they were able to do with the Mandalorian, are they doing it on purpose? This show seems way che- uh, cheaper and it seems way cheesier. And it's almost like they don't really understand the characters they're writing for. I don't really know that much about Star Wars. I'm a casual fan, but Obi-Wan seemed like a wise guy, like a smart dude. He's a trained Jedi. He didn't do stupid things in the other movies that I can remember anyway. He's bumbling and fumbling his way through this show, he is. isn't he? So many stupid things. First off, he's stealing meat from whatever this meat packing plant he works for, but he's doing it after everybody leaves their shift. He's the only guy on the floor and he wraps it in a napkin. Could not be more obvious. Like I thought at one point this well, was going to come back to bite him. He needs to feed his foreskin camel. <laughs> it is whatever that pet is. <laughs> it is. That's pretty accurate now I think about it. But it's just, like that's stupid. And uh, the most unforgivable piece of writing I think was uh, this whole this whole scenario where they get in the back of this truck. Princess Leia and Obi-Wan, uh, they get lost. or I, And I, they're I, wanted by the Empire. They're There's wanted. An APB, they're looking for Obi-Wan Kenobi, a Jedi, and he's with a young girl. They know this because they encountered them on a planet. Yeah, and so uh, lo and behold, they're in the back of a truck hitchhiking, and who does the truck pick up next? Six stormtroopers who blatantly say to the driver, we are looking for a Jedi with a young girl. They get in the back of the truck. There is a guy wearing the Jedi uniform. It may not be an official uniform, but they're all wearing burlap sack robes. <laughs> and there's a 10-year-old girl with them in the middle of no... You're looking for the exact description and, and he none of the stormtroopers... He accidentally calls her Leia at one point. Yeah, none of the stormtroopers bat an eye until he accidentally calls her Leia instead of the deceptively... Uh, uh, the, the deceptive nickname they were going to give her to the, the alias, by, the alias, which was Luna. 
two letters different between <laughs> Leia and Luna. Yeah. If you're coming up with an alias, go with Gertrude. Yeah, or... Beatrice. Something with more syllables and doesn't start with the exact what same letter and ends with the exact that same scene letter. Is Obi-Wan then makes up a story and covers for himself. He's like, oh, no, uh, Leia was her mom's name, and that's why I call her Leia Stupid. by accident sometimes. What happened to... These aren't the droids you're looking for. Yes. What? What? Like, does this guy not uh, remember how to do all the Jedi stuff? I, I'm trying to think because there's probably I'm going to guess seven years between this Obi Wan series and when the first Star Wars movie happens, A New Hope, right? Because Leia's ten, and then in that movie she's like she, seventeen right. or something. Yeah, Luke's Luke's probably ten and years off. Throughout this Obi Wan series, everybody at every chance is calling Obi Wan over the hill, old, ugly, you know, Grandpa Obi Wan over here. He looks incredible. Ewan McGregor looks like he hasn't aged since the Phantom Menace. He looks um, he looks better than Hayden Christensen, who is 15 <laughs> years younger than he has not well, aged. You know that's makeup, right? When he's Darth Vader, like he doesn't oh, really look like I that. I was going to say rough. No, but I saw them interviewing each other in like a promotional thing and he does look younger than Hayden Christensen somehow. But like Leia is like chirping him for looking like a grandpa. He doesn't have a single gray hair on his head. Hey, Directors, he's a totally gray-haired senior citizen in the first Star yeah, Wars movie. Years seven years now. later, <laughs> put a little gray in the beard, make him look old. What about when Darth Vader rakes uh, Obi Wan over the coals, and then that fire literally that fire breaks out, the thing explodes, and now there's big flames. What happened to Darth Vader's power to move things with the Force? Why doesn't he just pick him up with the Force and <laughs> lift him over the fire? Yes. Like, oh, he just watches him get picked up by that lifter droid and yeah. walk away? Yeah, none of their powers seem to make sense. Like, they're not consistent with what they're able to do. Also, Princess Leia's running through those tunnels, escaping from the bad Jedi lady, uh, and somehow she gets ahead of her? I, yes, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what, how does that work? And why is she running in the first place? Hey, Alea, I know you're a kid, but you're in a prison, and a guy says, I'm here to rescue you. He's gotten you out of the prison into the town. When are you going to start trusting him? He's busted you out of prison. I think you could probably... No, as she's a, running to the port when Obi-Wan was... But, but even, like, she runs away from him because she doesn't trust yeah, him yeah. the whole time, right? She's like, because that's why he says his name is Ben and not Obi-Wan. Well, the on the bright side, uh, we're middle-aged men. Um, my five-year-old son seems to be enjoying the show. I don't know why I'm getting worked up about it, but it just seems like they have these great intellectual properties, and it's like the people who are writing him, writing, writing these new stories... Don't give a second thought. This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. You've got a question. Ask a lawyer. Ask a lawyer. A question about custody or his neighbor. Ask a lawyer. Ask a lawyer. CohenHiley.com. If you have any questions you want to ask off the air, if you have one on the air, Ian Snedden, partner with Cohen Hiley, is with us. Hey, Ian. I can't believe I'm not being asked a Johnny Depp question, but I'm going to offer it anyway. <laughs> We're a little burnt out. Big. He didn't win that big, and he did not get $15 million. No, I, I have a couple questions. Maybe we'll get you to stick around. I do have a couple Johnny Depp questions. We'll do that uh, after we take some calls here because we do sure. have some lined up, okay? Yep. Hello? Is that yeah, Rick? Yeah. You got her. Hey, Rick. You've got a question about the difference between a cohabitator and a common law spouse, right? That's right. I just kind of wondered if 
is a, if you're going in as a, as a single person, no one doesn't want to get married right away, and that other person wants to. But I'm just just saying, what are the ramifications, or is it better to have a cohabitational agreement? Well, I think the question is, here? is there some ramification going on in the bedroom with that person? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, uh, but what I'm well, what I'm saying here to Ian is, is that uh, is it going to cover your derriere six weeks on Sunday? Compared to a okay, uh, so if you get a, if you get a cohabitation agreement written up by a lawyer, how protected are you, Ian? Uh, pretty pretty well protected, unless there are uh, unconscionable circumstances, which is a way of saying really, really, really unfair, not just a little unfair. Then a, a contract can be set aside, but as long as the disclosure is complete, everybody knows what they're getting into, then. A uh, marriage contract uh, or a cohabitation agreement is what protects you. And if uh, Rick was wondering, it's three years in Ontario. So a lot of people think, mm. no, no, it's a year. And that's because their benefit provider may say they can add someone for a year, after a year, that kind of thing. That in order to have spousal support obligations, uh, you have to um, live together in a marriage-like uh, situation for three years. Yeah, which is why no, Jim's getting married. That's yeah, why Jim's getting married now, right? Because you, it's because I didn't know about this cohabitation. Yeah, three agreement. years is up. He's like, well, I might as well get married. Why not now. just propose, yeah. Rick? Why not just get married? Get it over with. Oh no! But what I'm just saying is, like, like you said, it's three years as a common law agreement. This uh, is the Taz and Jim podcast. The uh, cohabitation, or is that up, you know, up above and under? They're, they're really the same thing. Uh, cohabitation agreements, living together, marriage contract would be you're living together with a contemplation of marriage, but a marriage yeah. contract uh, is also valid if done correctly. Okay, uh, Rick. All right, sounds good. Yeah, I, d- I hope my wife doesn't mind me saying this, but we did a marriage contract when we moved in together before we were married, and um, it's basically, it doesn't matter now because we've got kids and we're married, so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, if, if she ever leaves me, I'm totally screwed. <laughs> in many different ways <laughs> I do not want to hear that if I'm ever representing you which won't happen because Willie Ian is a wonderful person but that's what I want to go into there your honor my client's position is now that he's had kids he's screwed he so. knows he's screwed <laughs> <laughs> might as well just throw that marriage contract in the fire at this point all right, good luck with your situation there, Rick. Uh, we hope right. the best for you. Hopefully the ramification continues in a good way, <laughs> not a bad way. I like that term. I think that's the new, uh, honey, you want to go upstairs for some ramifications? <laughs> that, that's how you get the motor turning. Got Ian Snedden from Cohen Highly on the air with us. And, uh, yeah, we got a couple questions about this Johnny Depp Amber Heard verdict that came down. Uh, $15 million, I think. Uh, Heard was ordered to pay Johnny Depp, correct? Some around well, there. That's that's true. But then I was listening to the judgment. Not that I'm a big fan of the trial, but my assistant said I'm watching the trial. So I thought, well, I may as well watch too because she's not doing any work after the <laughs> award. So it's ten million in damages. Uh, those are compensatory damages, meaning there those t- that ten million dollars. Is supposed to compensate him 
for what she did to him financially. Yeah. The $5 million were punitive damages. So punitive damages are where the judge or jury says, you are such a jerk that compensation isn't enough. You need to be punished for what you do financially. That's the $5 million. But the problem is, and I kind of heard the, the uh, judge sort of mumbling underneath there, the maximum damages, uh, presumably in... Uh, was it tried in uh, Virginia? Virginia like yeah. Near there, yeah. So it's $350,000. So the maximum that could be awarded was $10 million plus 350000 Okay, that, that so sets that, up my question perfectly. Yeah. Okay. What if Jim yeah. sued me for that much money? I lost. Judge says you need to pay Jim $10 million or whatever it is. I don't have the money. And I don't know if Amber Heard has the money. Get on your white butler gloves, Taz. <laughs> You're working You're it off. Work it off. I, what happens though? Seriously, if you if you lose a lawsuit like this and you don't have the money to pay for it, yeah. So uh, I've had this happen to me where we won the lawsuit, got a great cost award, and then the other side declared bankruptcy. So that is a possibility. I don't know what the bankruptcy laws are in Virginia, but I assume they're pretty similar to the ones that I do know of, and uh, that's certainly something to look at whether you could declare bankruptcy to avoid a judgment. I know it's not uh, looked upon well in Ontario, but it has, you know, it is done. So you could win a multi-million dollar lawsuit, and if the person can't pay it, you're, you're out of the money that you are rightfully owed, then essentially, or they don't, some sort they of insurance step up? They don't dock their paychecks or anything like that? Well, they will, but and I don't know what her situation is, but let's say, for the for example... Uh, that she only has, when I say only, $3 million to her name. Loser. Then as an option, <laughs> if she had $10 million to pay out, she's $7 million short. Her acting career is not looking all that promising these days. Uh, you know, she might, that's a decision she'd have to come to. Can I, you know, if I have two movie gigs that play, pay $15 million each, great. I, mm-hmm. I can do it and I can, get by but uh if she can't come up with the money that is an option to consider she also do- uh pledged to donate that seven million dollars from the divorce settlement to the aclu and a children's hospital she can't pay that she hasn't paid it she was confronted about it johnny depp should pay that seven million he's probably got a little money extra money he should donate that money to those charities to look like on a hero behalf. that would be the ultimate way to see she this. says she's going to appeal when is it not worth your while to appeal um, I guess there's lots of times if you know you're going to lose on appeal, uh, you know, there's no merit to it. In this case, I'm not surprised by an appeal with the numbers involved because you're right. It's almost worth it. Hey, it may be a hail Mary, but it's better than what I'm stuck with. Your peacock, your peacock, your peacock. Are you brave enough to let me see your peacock? It's time for sports. Devin Peacock is our sports guy. And if you went to bed early last night thinking that the Oilers had a good enough lead to uh, stay alive in the series against the Avs, you were wrong. They're done. 
I went to bed early last night thinking, okay, uh, Edmonton's uh, going to actually win a game in this series. And then uh, 6-5 was the final score uh, for Colorado over Edmonton in overtime. And, I mean, Colorado just has no quit in them. And it's, it's you know, I mean, credit to Colorado, but it's just, it shows just how hard it is to close out a series. And so when you're Colorado, you have that opportunity. You have to do it because the second you give a team any sort of daylight if they're a really good team they'll take it now would you say that the tampa bay lightning now have that daylight they uh finally won a game game three against the rangers and you have been guaranteeing that they will move on dev and play in the stanley cup final I do think they have that daylight. They are just that good. I mean, when you look at the Colorado Avalanche, there was they made reference to this in the broadcast yesterday. There was a moment in the second round against St. Louis where they had that gut check moment. And since then, they haven't lost. They've won like six in a row now. And so Tampa Bay had one gut check moment against the Toronto Maple Leafs in the first round. That carried them throughout the second round against Florida. I think they've now had their second gut check moment, and I think they're going to win tonight, and I still think they're going to win this series just because they are the better team. Man, that would be a good one, huh, Jim? Uh, the way Colorado's playing, if Tampa and Colorado meet in the final? Yeah, that'll be a great series. I think it's been a, it's actually been a great playoff so far. We had the Battle of Alberta. I mean, other than Toronto getting put out early, it's been a pretty good uh, playoff. Toronto getting uh, eliminated made it pretty bad for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, compared to what, though, Dev? <laughs> Has the hockey still been going on since Toronto got eliminated? Who knew? Listen, if, if the Leafs can't win, I just want the whole world to burn. I don't care about everybody else. I just want the Leafs to win. Nice guy. <laughs> You'll have a couple old friends going at it if it is Lightning and uh, in the Avs. Corey Perry versus Nazem Kadri. That'll be fun. Kadri's out. Uh, Kadri in spirit. He he's probably out for the series uh, following uh, the uh, injury in Game Three. He had uh, thumb surgery. They haven't said officially he's done for the season, but it looks like he's done for the season. Come on, really. He, I mean, he had a career year this year. He had like 87 points in 71 games. He's he's a free agent. He's going to get paid, and he might be getting paid as a Stanley Cup winner. Here's hoping. Let's not get too ahead of ourselves here. The Lightning still have to come back against the Rangers, who lead that series. Game four is tonight. Thanks, Dev. This is the Taz and Jim podcast. Ryan Whitney, former NHLer. One of the hosts of the Spit and Chicklets podcast. Uh, Inventor of Pink Whitney. Invented uh, lemonade, pink lemonade and vodka together. I mean, invented, <laughs> marketed and sold. That's what he claims. That's what he claims on his Twitter bio. He had a nightmare experience at Pearson Airport in Toronto. He was stuck there for like 24 hours and posted a uh, video on his Twitter feed yesterday. You can tell he's at the end of his rope. So they say, no, 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 you can't have your bags. You, you, your bags are already like in the middle of no man's land. You can't have your bags. So we have a 8.50 flight for you from Toronto to Boston for this morning. This is, la- this is at 1 a.m. Okay, I be here at 5 a.m., they said. So I got here at 4.55. I wanted to be five minutes early. So I wanted to be three hours and 55 minutes early. I get here. This woman says, oh, we booked you actually on a flight from here to Montreal and then Montreal to Boston, but that leaves in 50 minutes and you can't make it. They never sent me an email. They just, I, I, I started laughing. I mean, what are you, you going to do? 
it was either that or like cry. <laughs> so now I'm on a, so now I'm on a, a 10 a.m. But there's nobody really around the gate. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm so in shock at this place. It is the biggest disgrace known to man. Pearson Airport, the biggest disgrace known to man. <laughs> Bold statement. Put it on the side. <laughs> <laughs> he, he does a lot of traveling, says that Pearson is the worst. It's the worst airport. We're getting conflicting reports from Taz and Jim listeners as we ask you guys to share your airport nightmare experiences. Here's one. Uh, Pearson is the absolute worst. For someone that travels a lot to third world countries, it amazes me how backwards Pearson is. Having a Canadian passport is hard enough at Pearson. I can't imagine being from another country. I'd rather just turn around and go home. It's got the worst lineups, the worst baggage claim, the worst fees. Only saving grace about Pearson is the park and fly. True. I do I do, do the park and fly. It's pretty nice. handy. Yeah. Good, because Park and Fly, they were advertising on our show last week, so I'm glad. <laughs> Wait, was this Park and Fly such as the text? I'm glad you enjoyed the service. But here, listen to this one. Hey, Taz and Jim, I uh, flew back into Pearson from Jamaica the first week of April this year. It was the best airport experience I've ever had, and I travel every year. Within 15 minutes, we were off the plane through customs and had our bags it was great. I wouldn't say I've ever had a nightmare situation at Pearson. It's been a little hit and miss, but even on the same day, it can be hit and miss. Because when I got back from Costa Rica a few weeks ago, it was maybe an hour till we got off the plane and back, which is reasonable, I think. But then we got on the park and fly bus to go back to pick up our car, and the other guy uh, in the in the van was like, that was a nightmare. I was stuck on my plane for three hours, and I just oh, got out. So on the same day at the same airport, we had a, like, we breathed through and another guy uh-huh. on a different flight had a completely different experience you get so claustrophobic when they won't let you off the plane <laughs> i understand why people go totally. bonkers right yeah i'm just i'm so in shock at this place it is the biggest disgrace known to man this is the taz and jim podcast yesterday we had a meeting after the show and we were before the meeting officially starts we always bat around some ideas so brainstorm sesh yeah me jim and our producer eric were were just trying to make each other laugh and we started talking about that woman who sold her farts in a jar Mm -hmm. Uh, reality TV star. She was selling her farts in a jar, but then she ate too much protein and had to go to the hospital, so she had to stop selling farts in a jar. Workplace hazard, you know, Wemis. Wemis. <laughs> <laughs> she switched over to selling her boob sweat now online. Um, so she's sitting in the sun by the pool collecting her boob sweat, and apparently people are paying her for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I made the joke... Hey, maybe we should start selling swass in a glass. This could be our, our big money maker. <laughs> like, Eric, you should make a commercial for swass in a glass. We all started laughing, mm-hmm. thinking that was the end of it. Mm-hmm. Get into work this morning. <laughs> what, is, what is sitting in my email inbox? But an MP3 file, Eric has made a swass in okay. a glass commercial. Are you ready to yes. hear it? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Just a warning. 
it sounds absolutely disgusting, and we don't know exactly what's going to happen here, but I do trust Eric. Okay? From the lady who brought you her farts in a jar and boob sweat to go comes the hottest and most moist product on the market. Swass in a glass. Ew. Freshly collected sweat from a roofer's ass after a 12-hour day in 35-degree weather. Oh, God. Collected carefully into a hot glass jar. Oh, no. Live out your swassy fantasy with swass in a glass. Oh, who asked for this? How do you swass your ass? Wrapped in garbage bags, sit in a steaming hot 98 Corolla with leather interior. Oh, God. I think I'm going to barf. Or join the boys club in the snowsuit sauna. Oh, hell no. And get that swass in that glass. This is f***ing disgusting. Swass in a glass. So moist. (laughs) Oh, there's there's a nice little... uh, Addition to Chelsea, Eric's wife, in the background. I don't even know if she knew that she was on mic there. Yeah, maybe she was just overhearing it in the kitchen. Oh, what are you recording? What the hell is this? Nice job, Eric. Try and find another little jingle there instead of that peacock It's really annoying. And I'm getting sick of listening to it. Get rid of that peacock. You want to see your peacock? Got, got. I want to see your peacock. Time for sports. Our sports guy, Devin Peacock, is here. Let's talk golf, Dev. Uh, I saw Phil Mickelson on Twitter post this big apology. What was he apologizing for? So a couple of months ago, he uh, made some comments. There's this whole uh, huge rift going on in the golf world right now. The PGA Tour trying to uh, keep its dominance. And you've got this upstart uh, series, Live Golf, which is run by the uh, Saudi Arabians. They've got Greg Norman as their CEO, uh, who are trying to set up a rival tour. Phil Mickelson made some uh, comments about Saudi Arabians when he was describing the Live Golf uh, Tour, and he from then he lost a bunch of uh, sponsors. He had a bunch of uh, big PGA Tour stars speak out against him, and he has not played all year long. So he was apologizing for that while also announcing that he will be playing in uh, the Live Golf Invitational Series events this year. What exactly did he say? What was he apologizing for? Well, I can't quote him exactly, but he described the Saudi regime as scary MFers. And while he was speaking, he uh, downplayed human rights violations and the murder of the journalist Jamal Khashoggi. But obviously they've offered him a big enough check for him to forget <laughs> all about that. or now, So now he's all in on this live golf. I would uh, I would appear so because it's it's the, the rumor is that Dustin Johnson, who last week announced he was joining Live Golf, is being paid a hundred million dollars over five years, and that's just to play. So one of the one of the issues a lot of uh, golfers have with the PGA Tour is that the prize money is not enough. So they feel like the PGA Tour is making all the money here and they aren't. The Live Golf Series has fewer golfers and bigger purses. And so the winner of this week's inaugural tournament for Live Golf will take home $4 million. So at the heart of all of this, is money. Money for the tours, money for the players. 
Do you think Mickelson will be a fan favorite over there after he made these comments? Will they forget uh, what he said once he gets out on the golf course? I think he will be. I think they will forget because uh, people want to see big names and he is still, you know, 50 plus, one of the biggest names in golf. One of the big questions will be in North America, do fans at the Masters, at the PGA Championship, the US Open, you name it, get the cheer for him again because the PGA Tour has said they aren't going to bring these guys back after they've spurned the PGA Tour for a rival tour. Phil Mickelson wants to play in future majors. He's already missed the Masters and the PGA Championship this year. But will he be allowed to play in future majors like he wants? I don't know. But he might have $100 million in the bank account, so I'm sure that helps with the uncertainty. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Dev. This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. And I finally got to see the Top Gun movie last night, Jim. Oh, baby. You're going tomorrow with Sarah? Yeah, we're going in the moving seats, the D-box, they call them. I might go uh, see it again with those seats. It was that good. Really? Lives up to the hype. Huh. You worry when the bar is set so high. Critics are saying they love it. Audiences are saying they love it. You go in thinking, how good could it be? Honestly, it couldn't have been better. Thankfully, because they were supposed to release it two years ago. COVID put a stop to that. So it's like they knew they had gold, right? And they were waiting for the theaters to open up to make the most money possible. There's a little thing that runs before the movie. Tom Cruise uh, looking at the camera saying, hi, I'm Tom Cruise. Oh, boy. Thanks for coming to the movie theater. Appreciate you. We made this movie for you. Really? Made you feel good. Did it? Tom Cruise, weird. He, he may he may save movies, man, in the theater. <laughs> Give me a break. Honestly, I would go. I might I might go see Top Gun Maverick again in the wow. theater. I enjoyed it so much. What made it so good? Ah, oh, the flying sequences. The story is. I mean, it's almost exactly the same as the first one. Uh, but the the flying sequences are just incredible. Hmm. And Tom Cruise just does not age. It's ridiculous. The guy turns 60 years old. Really? On July the 3rd. Hmm. So in a couple weeks, he's going to be a 60-year-old man. Maybe I should join Scientology. I know. I started thinking that. I'm like, what if he's right? <laughs> what, <laughs> I what if out of all if, out of all the religions, you yeah. get up there and you're like, really? The alien one? The one? Wait, what if what if he is right? What if our souls are from a volcano that a nuke went into and then the nuke exploded and all the souls came out and went into our bodies sure. until we get rid of our sins? He's young. He must be right. He, he could looks young. be. You get up there and the, the aliens are... We sent you Tom Cruise. <laughs> Why didn't you listen? I thought it was going to be the bearded guy that was our savior. I don't know. But he's doing he's doing the shirts off stuff. He's, oh, he, really? Yeah, there's the obligatory Tom Cruise running scene in this movie. Mm-hmm. You know he can't get through a movie Any motorcycle? Without, without a full sprint. There's motorcycles. There's jets. Uh, just go see it. I was with my cousin Paul and, and Uncle Stu was there. 
I think Uncle Stu's in his 80s now, and he was like a little boy. Like during the flying scenes, I could hear him making like plane noises. (laughs) 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 Uncle Stu's like, meow, yeah, yeah, get him, Maverick, go, meow. My buddy stopped by my place on Sunday. He went with his entire family. It was his dad, who's 70s, favorite movie. The original Top Gun was his dad's favorite movie. And his dad left the theater teary-eyed. He was like, it was was better. Than the original. This is the Taz and Jim podcast. Got a cautionary tale for everybody. Uh, went to the movies last night, as I mentioned. Saw Top Gun. Bunch of people I knew, I knew went and saw the same movie. <laughs> One of them was our pal Hudson. Jim Hudson mm-hmm. was with me, and he uh, he had this life hack. He was very excited about. He's like Taz. I can't wait to have some tasty popcorn. This is going to be so good. He goes, what you got to do is you got to tell him to fill the bag halfway up, get him to put butter on, fill the rest of the bag, and then put butter on the top. Sure, layered butter. You got to do it. He goes, plenty of tasty butter. You got to get it on there. So uh, he he gets up to the concession. I can hear him because I'm at one till over. And he's like, okay, what's your name? Jerry? Jerry, I'm going to give you a tip. You can keep the change, but you got to do this for me. You got to fill the bag halfway up, put some butter, lots of butter, and then uh, fill the rest of the bag with popcorn, put more butter on top. And the guy goes over and he's just pumping away with the butter halfway up. And Hudson's like, oh. Oh, that's the, yeah, that's the stuff, Jerry. Keep it up. And then he puts the popcorn, puts more butter on top. He's like, Jerry, you're the man. You're the man. So uh, we get to our seats, and he's sitting there just munching on the popcorn, talking about how what it, how great it tastes, and this is the way to do it. And um, about five minutes later, he lifts the bag off his lap, and he's got butter stains all over his trousers. <laughs> <laughs> sure, butter, butter stains. stains. <laughs> or was he that excited about seeing Tom Cruise with his shirt off? I don't know. <laughs> but he huh, had, he too had, much butter. Too much butter. Oh no! And because the butter was put in halfway down the bag, yeah, it trickled to the very bottom, hmm. soaked through the bag into his pants. <laughs> <laughs> Still worth it. So much butter. Could have been worse. You could have had a heart attack <laughs> halfway through. Sure. That's a lot of butter. There may be another lesson to learn still from this butter uh, life hack, but <laughs> uh, the one we're telling you now is, is don't wear good pants to the movies. <laughs> this is the Taz and Jim Podcast. Jim Kelly, you are currently planning your wedding with your uh, wonderful... Out of your league, fiance Sarah. Mm-hmm. Will it be an open bar? One hundo p. You kidding me? <laughs> yes, hundred percent. I've only been to one wedding that wasn't open bar. It was a toonie bar. Still not bad. Not bad. Not bad. And you know, everybody's in different financial situations, so I'm not going to judge. But I'm 35. I've been to enough open bars. It'd be a slap in the face if I then made all my friends right. pay for booze. <laughs> yeah, if if they've been uh, putting up with your nonsense at their weddings. Oh, yeah, I got time my to, share. Time to repay the favor. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen this video. It's gone viral. You got to do it at, at your wedding. I, this is going to become a trend for sure. So somebody posted a video from a wedding reception in England where they spoke to wedding guests as they were having their first drink of the night, and then they got them as they were having their last drink of the night (laughs) on video to just kind of gauge the difference. Here's a little sample of, of what they got. 
Hi, I'm Trev. This is my first drink. I am Trev the Groom, and this is my last drink. Hi, I'm Holly. This is my first drink. Where am I going? My name is Holly. This is Dad. I'm Neve. This is my first drink. I'm Neve. Cheese bridesmaid, and this is my last drink. Cheese bridesmaid. Cheese bridesmaid. Have you got a cheese board? I'm chief bridesmaid. Cheese. Hi, I'm the bride, and this is my first drink. I'm the bride, and this is my last drink. You got to see the the visual. Part of the fun is how disheveled, how nice everyone looks in the. This is my first drink of the yeah. night. I'll prim and proper, <laughs> and then the as the last drink of the night, they got their their tie around their head or shirt untucked, holding their shoes. <laughs> oh, last drink of the night. The bride looks like she's had a time. This might be a good idea, and I think it would be fun with my friends. But I I feel like it'll be a lot different than it was twenty or 10 years ago my friends first started getting married when we were like 25 things have calmed down considerably okay. but it's still a bit it's still you know still a good time but this would have been amazing 10 years ago because it would have been a very stark difference between first and last drink i think you're underestimating your friends you're right maybe i got married when i was 38 jim you remember my wedding we Gong ra- show. ran out of wine during the cocktail True, hour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are the- some guys still drinking since that wedding. They they haven't had their last drink yet. Right. <laughs> hey, uh, my name's Gary, and I don't know if this is my last drink. Let's see where the night takes us. <laughs> <laughs> First drink, last drink. The problem you're going to have is finding someone to stay sober with the camera yeah. to make sure they track people down as they have their last drink. This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.